Hello and welcome to Talking Shit, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me is the news team, news editor Tung. Hey. And Deputy News Editor Justin. Hello. This week, we're discussing the T-Rex, better known as Ram's TRX, a mega tough truck ready to devour Ford's Ranger Raptor. And it's now confirmed for Australia arriving this year. Uh, we'll look at three entries to the Cars Guide garage from the past week. And we'll catch up with a middle-aged billionaire who scoffs at the concept of maturity in this week's Muskwatch. Remember, you can jump ahead courtesy of the time codes in the notes below, and you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And first of all, we are going to talk about the Ram TRX. Now, Ram and we are echoing the thought that it's going to be the, it is the world's fastest ute. Um, it's ready to rumble and the order books are open in Australia. Uh, which is pretty big news. It's a, it's a new type of thing, and it, it takes on board uh, the Dodge and Jeep Hellcats engine. It's a 6.2-litre supercharged V8, uh, 522 kilowatts, 868 newton metres, and it looks like something from the future. Um, Justin, you've been tuned into its kind of path towards this market. What do you make of its arrival? How, how will it be received? Yeah, well, obviously we know that those full-size pickups in Australia have been very popular recently. Obviously, we don't get a factory version of the Ram 1500 or the Chevrolet Silverado, so they're both being remanufactured from you know left to right-hand drive for our market. But even though there obviously is that expense added in terms of conversion and importing and all that, you know, six-figure price tags, they're selling exceedingly well and. I guess everyone likes a performance ute and this is the performance full-size ute that's going to be available in Australia. So it's it's going to do well, even though it'll cost a few bickies, I'm sure. Well, in a way, it sidesteps that issue, doesn't it, where you're petitioning the factory for, oh, can we get some right-hand drive production? No, mm. we'll make a decision where we go for a more premium niche, um, come down on volume, dial up the price accordingly, but we can do it straight away. You know, we've, we've got the kind yeah. of mechanism in place already. It's yeah, an interesting right. question, that price you know, equation, isn't it? Um, you know, we've got Grand Cherokee uh, Trackhawk. That's, what, $140,000? Yeah. So bringing in this RAM over and right-hand drive converting it, it has to be, you know, like $180,000 yeah, yeah. and yeah. up? Like, yeah. is there a market for a $180,000 ute? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There'll be some question. cashed up people that will, Great absolutely. We'll, we'll lay by it. We'll... Um, as well as the, this amazing powertrain, um, an environmentalist nightmare in many ways. It's, it's got 18-inch alloy wheels and it's got this all-terrain uh, rubber, upgraded suspension, um, independent front and Dana 60 solid rear axles, Bilstein Blackhawk adaptive dampers. It's got this pretty special suspension. So it's, it's lifted 51 mils. So the ground clearance uh, becomes 300 millimetres and it can still tow more than three and a half tonnes. So it's got all the specs and it's due to arrive the second half, maybe the last quarter of this year. So I, I suppose we'll see in terms of the order book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you, if you guys remember early last year, there were these rumours floating around that Ford were going to build like a V8 Ranger Raptor. 
And the internet kind of went a bit nuts and a bit wild. And on the one hand, people were like, yes, I want it. I want to buy one. And on the other hand, people were like, why do I need this in a U? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know? And I, I feel like the, the TRX or the T-Rex kind of falls in that latter category. Um, yeah. it's, it's great as a halo vehicle. Uh, but, you know, in day-to-day use, it might be a bit too over the top. Well, there are going to be certain people that have to have one. Mm. So, you sure. know, if you, if you were going for a volume model, there are always going to be those people that, that want one, they'll jump in early, buy it, but then inevitably the sales kind of taper off or plateau and then, mm. then start to taper towards the end of its life. Here, decisions has been made. No, we're just going to want that first group, those ones <laughs> yeah. that just have to have one. This thing's going to be very expensive. Um, so we're going for a smaller group of people. And yeah, you won't. You probably won't see many, but they'll they'll sell some. Yeah. As expensive as it will be, though, the thing that really scares me, and it goes back to the day to day living thing, is can you imagine what the fuel bill is going to be like on one of those? <laughs> Honestly, like you'll be high twenties, exactly, <laughs> pretty much I mean, all the time. I just found a note on the tires. They are actually so they're three twenty five sixty five Goodyear Wrangler all terrain mm. tires. Now, despite that rubber. Factory claim is four and a half seconds, naught to 100 km. Wow. So this thing, I mean, it's immense. Um, yeah. We all know that the 1500, and um, this is the new version of the 1500. Um, it's a big thing. So imagine it storming from zero to 100 in under five seconds. Um, imagine what it would do with the right set of tyres, potentially, as well. well. Like, exactly. Considering how much it weighs and the physical size, like four and a half seconds is, <laughs> is pretty yeah. good. Well, you've got um, also inside... Uh, unique leather and suede upholstery. Um, some get this, some carbon fiber trim. <laughs> Obviously, that's around weight saving. Um, you get a you get a flat bottom steering wheel. All this kind of um, stuff. And there's a traditional uh, T bar type gear shifter rather than mm. the rotary mm. uh, dial. And there's an Easter egg in there. Just spoilers. Um, near that is a T Rex bending down to actually eat a tiny Raptor. So the intent uh, for this car is quite clear. And I wonder what Ford will be thinking. I mean, in terms of the halo, yeah, volume, no, it, it's not going to be that kind of straight up fight. But in terms of image, uh, it's going to be interesting. Certainly from an Australian perspective, obviously the F-150 Raptor isn't available to us with factory backing per se. Yes, there obviously are converters out there that will, will sell you one for a pretty penny, but it doesn't have the factory backing like a Ram does. So, um, yeah, I guess it's it's already one in that regard, but certainly over in the States, F-150 Raptor versus 1500 TRX, you know, it's going to be possibly a bit of a no contest to begin with, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, to your point, Justin, um, it's going to be, it's a Tico group. That, that imports RAM and distributes it in Australia. And they have the relationship with Walkinshaw and they have a world-class facility in Victoria, which gets the factories backing in terms of a left to right-hand drive conversion. So yeah. you'd have to think that, that buyers can be confident in terms of the, the quality of the car. And no matter what you pay, um, you, you can't have that kind of confidence, I suspect, with some of the people that are selling um, the big F-150s and what have you. I, I don't really know, but... but there's nothing like factory uh, backing. Yeah, it's I think a, you'd feel a lot more confident going in and buying a Ram, knowing that you've got that warranty yeah. and factory backing. And obviously yeah. they have the expertise because they've been doing 1500 conversions for years now. Mm. Um, you know, they've got experience. Mm. It's, it's an interesting marketing tactic 
they're imploring though, you know, intentionally going after Raptor in such mm. an obvious way. And, you know, on social media, I think when Ford started teasing the new F-150 uh, Raptor, uh, you know, Ram kind of got on, I think it was Twitter, uh, and just asked them to pop the hood, you know, let's see what's under the bonnet. Um, because they knew that they have a bigger, more powerful engine. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's great to get those enthusiasts on board. Um, yeah. And it's great to see a company sort of have a little bit of fun with their marketing instead yeah. of just kind of ignoring what's out there and focusing on what they're doing. They're kind of like reaching out there and kind of going, hey, Ford, you know, we've got something better than you. Can you match this? Yeah. I think a, a traditional kind of approach is as soon as you name your competition, mm. you've given them oxygen. You know, yep. better mm. to stick to your own knitting, do what you do and let people make a comparison of their own. So by, by uh, actually calling out your competitor, you're giving them a nod, a tip of the hat, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I'm with you, Tom. I actually think it's better to get down and dirty and have, a, you know, an arm wrestle over it and, and yep. call it out. But even locally as well, uh, Rams uh, TV commercials that they've been running recently are all, you know, a debadged Hilux pulling up at the lights and then a 1500 coming next to it finishing the ad with their uh, tagline, you know, eats you for breakfast. So um, obviously they're clearly going after like, oh, everyone buys a Hilux, but, you know, you should get something bigger and better. And then this whole eats you for breakfast thing goes to a completely new level once the yeah. TRX arrives because that will literally eat you for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, this one, even the, the, the standard RAM in our context without many F-150s to... to uh, put it into context, stands out like you wouldn't believe. But this thing, um, it has that more aggressive face. Um, it's got a massive bonnet scoop. And the fender flares add 203 millimetres to the body width. So already an enormous, and I think we've got the, the kind of older version of the Ram 1500. The TRX T-Rex is based on the newer one, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be enormous. Yeah. Seen yeah, couples floating around on the road, and it's just it, it it just boggles your mind to see such a large car like on an Australian road in context with you know the rest of the Rav fours, CX fives, like sitting right beside it. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it you'd really have to pick your moments, wouldn't you? You can't just say, "Oh, I'll meet you so and so." It's like, yeah. can I can I can I fit there? Will that will the car actually go down that road? Let alone mm. finding a car park yeah. space. Um, yeah. Even most highways, the lanes aren't wide enough for a car like that. So if you are driving it, you know, yeah. you are probably hugging literally yeah. the sides yeah. of the lanes and God forbid it has lane departure warning or lane keep assist because it would be losing its might. True. Because <laughs> you'd constantly be going in and out. When Merck was developing the W140S class, that big kind of chamfered off uh, car from the 90s, partway through the development program, they realised it was so wide that it would be taxed as a truck. <laughs> uh, because it filled so much of the lane. So they actually had to crimp it in a little bit. Um, I just wonder how it goes from that point of view. Yeah, just steering it around will be an interesting challenge. Yeah. All right. Well, th that, is, um, that is that. Thank you, guys. Uh, it'd be great to get people's feedback, whether you're a current Ute owner, whether you could ever see yourself stepping up into something as dramatic. Um, and it's kind of like the classic cracking a walnut with a sledgehammer isn't it you know are, are you going to be towing something but do you does anybody need this it's more emotion uh, over pragmatism uh, writ large in our market but it'd be great to get people's uh, feedback um, but now we are going to go to our garage and Justin can I start with you the cars that we've been steering uh, during the week 
you've been in something uh, fresh to this market and really interesting. Can you fill us in, please? Yeah, I was lucky enough uh, a week ago to drive the brand new Porsche Taycan, which uh, for those of you that don't know, is Porsche's first all-electric car, all-electric sports car, if you will. Uh, and I'll be honest, that was something I've been looking forward to for a little while. So uh, I was very excited to actually go and uh, go and drive it. And I'll tell you what, not a letdown at all. Uh, it was phenomenal. Um, absolutely amazing. And I suppose going into it, you know, it's obviously an electric car. So you're expecting it to be a bit different, um, particularly from a Porsche perspective. We're so used to 911s, Panameras and even Macans and Cayennes being what they are. Um, but the Taycans are, you know, whole different kettle of fish. So it was going to be interesting to see what it was like. But I, I guess my biggest takeaway after driving it is, is once I got out, I, I didn't even think about it being an electric car, you know. It was first and foremost a sports car as far wow. as I was concerned. Yep. I didn't get out going, oh, where's the noise? You know, where's the engine or anything? You know, you just drove it and you were like, <laughs> this is uh this is one incredible sports car um yeah it was it was absolutely fascinating to drive and yeah, seriously and good fun there are going to be three versions in the Aussie market did you yeah, have right. each of those available or that yes is. and did you have yeah, a so on, of each of them yeah that's right so on the day they had the 4s which is currently the entry level grade uh they had the turbo and the turbo s yes they're called turbo and turbo s but they're electric it's just an established naming convention that everyone knows Turbo S means top of the tree. Everyone knows Turbo means very close to the top of the tree. So that's what they stuck with for the Taycan, even though, again, there are no turbochargers in sight. But anyway, that's just the name. But yep. uh, yeah, you yep. get an indication of performance. So the 4S itself uh, is definitely very punchy. If you were driving that as your everyday car, it's, it, you'd be pretty damn happy with yourself. But the Turbo is utterly ridiculous in comparison I, I don't think I've ever driven a car that accelerates as violently as that does Amazing. until I drove the Turbo S and then the Turbo S was a completely <laughs> different stratosphere again. So the difference between the Turbo and Turbo S is much slimmer than it is between the 4S and Turbo, which kind of makes sense when you think about it. But um, the Turbo S is unre unreal. Zero to 100 in 2.8 seconds. That's yep. one of the quickest cars in history. Yeah. Um, and it just keeps going. So off the line, it is absolutely ferocious. I know we always use the cliche of, you know, getting pinned back in your seat, um, but that takes it to a whole new level. It basically punches you through into the boot. Um, it's that violent. And Justin, I was, I was reading your story. It's, it's, there's a two-speed transmission yeah. in the back. That's right. right. So yeah. single speed on the front axle and two yep. speed on the rear axle. Now that's weird for an electric car. And the reason why Porsche has done that is to basically maximize performance. So, um, particularly when you do use launch control and therefore overboost, um, that single, that first speed on the rear axle then kicks in to give you, you know, maximum acceleration. But typically everyday driving, you'll actually be in second gear, so to say, most of the time. But when it does change gear, you can actually hear it. Again, obviously you don't have an engine noise to drown anything out. So um, it's quite strange to be in an electric car and hear it do something, you know. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, really interesting. And is it a four or it's a four seater or a five seat? So as standard, it's a, a four seater. Um, yep. You can option a fifth seat for an extra thousand dollars. I personally don't know why you'd bother because the fifth seat in that particular car is quite high up. Um, okay. So you can sit in the outboard seats fine and have 
Now, the one thing about the Taycan is it's not necessarily overly spacious in the second row. You would probably expect it would be, but it's, it's not necessarily. So um, only a couple of inches of legroom for me and an inch of headroom basically. But yeah, if you sit in that middle seat when it's optioned, it's like you oh. have to hunch um, yeah. because it is higher. It's not particularly wide in the back either. So um, yeah, I don't know why you would. But so that'll be a rare one. A five-seat Taycan yeah. will be rare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why you would bother. But um, yeah, other than that i mean in terms of handling you know we're talking about a car that you know weighs up to 2.4 tons yes. and the way it goes around corners is ridiculous the turbo s has got active anti-roll bars i've never seen active anti-roll bars work as hard as they do in, in any car but in that one they're absolutely amazing in terms of uh cancelling out body roll yep. um, they're also in the turbo as well sorry and then the turbo s has rear axle steering as well which makes it feel like such a small car uh, in comparison to what it actual dimensions are. Right. So when you're guiding it through the bends, it's unbelievably flat, unbelievably tight, unbelievably quick. Because pro- proportionally, it looks quite low for you yep. know, compared to its overall length and width. Is that the case when you see it in the flesh? Yeah, it is. It's definitely slinky, nice and low. It's only marginally shorter than a Panamera uh, and marginally narrow, I think, off the top of my head, but definitely not as tall. Um, so yeah, it is obviously chasing aerodynamics and a low drag coefficient by, you know, being as, uh, slippery as possible. Yep. And you've got things like active aerodynamics on the um, front end. So, um, air shutters that open and close, and then the rear spoiler deploys, uh, automatically at certain set speeds to raise itself up and up and up. Um, so yeah, they've thought of everything with it it's ridiculous <laughs> Can I, I, i'm wondering <clears throat> sorry i'm wondering what are the air shutters at the front for like you know wouldn't they just all be closed all the time if it was an all-electric car looking for efficiency or i think cooling know? cooling's a bit of a thing really yeah, yeah. so it's, yeah. it's air cooling for the for the battery actually so oh, okay the battery is obviously under floor um but the yeah the air curtains and all that kind of stuff direct yeah, air to the battery it's obviously liquid cooled as well but they do use air cooling too because um, obviously that's a component of any electric car that's going to get hot and the hotter it gets the less efficient it is so you want to keep that nice and cool to extend your driving range and all that so um yeah that's the purpose behind Incredible. that but in terms of driving range I, what i would say is we drove those cars uh with intent uh on the day and even though they were driven quite hard the claimed range for most of them is in the 400 ish mark um and yeah after a good day of driving of a, just over 200 k's most of those cars had 55 percent capacity wow. left um, so i actually managed wow. to better the claim for consumption on the uh 4s and turbo by a considerable amount which was bizarre because you wouldn't normally expect that in a sports wow. car. Um, wow. But this was a completely different scenario. So like, you know, it could actually be more efficient than Porsche's tel- uh, claiming it is. Um, and that is crazy to think. Or you're just more effective than every Porsche engineer <laughs> in the entire uh, organisation. Maybe they should give me a job. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is incredible. Fantastic. Um, such an interesting car to arrive in our market. Um, thank you, Definitely. Justin. And, and Tung, you've been in a car that is, of course, absolutely in the same competitive set it's yep. it's so similar in so many ways yep. tell us about it 
Well, look, I am just as excited about this car as Justin is about the Porsche Taycan and uh, the car that I picked up a few days ago. It's the new generation Kia Carnival, um, which is a bit of a, a bit of a favorite amongst the Cars Guide office. You know, we've all driven the, the previous generation one. This new generation uh, Carnival looks looks so, so good. Uh, yeah, and even Justin actually than... goes weak at the knees. Yeah. Like, just, at the, just at the mention. <laughs> It's yeah. true. It is. It is. It is up there. But anyway, let me tell you, it, it looks even better in the flesh than it does in the press photos. Uh, the design of you know, it's essentially it's a people mover. It's a minibus, right? Like the design, what they've done with that car is is nothing short of incredible. Uh, it actually looks sexy. It looks appealing. It looks desirable. I would even wow. say. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Look, I'm sure Pritchard's just going to flash up a picture of uh, the, the car that I picked up. It's finished in this sort of like matte gray color. Right. Um, and my neighbor, you know, I took it home on Wednesday. He wasn't too pleased with the color. He said it just looked like undercoating. They hadn't finished painting the car. But uh, I personally, I personally really like that color. It reminds me a bit of that sort of Audi Sport right. um, color. And, and that's high praise when I'm talking about a Kia, isn't it? Does your, does your neighbour often critique the cars that you uh, happen to have in the driveway, Tom? Yes, he does. <laughs> I see. Okay. And is this is this welcome or does it just uh, happen? No, it's absolutely welcome. He's a bit of a petrol head himself. And, oh, uh, you know, we, we get into nice long chats about, you know, yeah. what engine it's got, the performance, where it sits in the market. Nice uh, he's looking for a new car himself. He's got a Subaru Outback. So, um, you know, he's he's on the hunt for something. And I recommended the Carnival, but he still thinks it's a bit daggy. He still thinks think, it's not finished. Yeah. How many kids does he have? Does he have any kids? He's got three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so, they could bring their friends in the Carnival. So that, that exactly. works. Exactly. And I mean, you know, what strikes me about, essentially I picked up the Bogo Carnival, right? So okay. it's got 17 inch wheels and yep. uh, they look positively tiny on a car that size, yeah. uh, but I'm okay with that. Okay. But you, you kind of step in and you've got all the tech that you would expect from a much more expensive car. This one retails, it's the diesel version. So it starts at, I think just under $49,000, yeah. um, but wireless Android Auto. Wow. Like, how incredible yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah. And, and interest, interestingly, that base car is the only one in the range yeah. that actually gets wireless because, because the, there's a different console, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a different multimedia system. And if you go further up the range, you get a larger one, but because mm -hmm. it comes with sat nav built in, um, there is no wireless uh, Android Auto or CarPlay because of a disagreement with one of the tech giants around <laughs> who has the default map. And in, in that one that you've, you're in, Tung, how many seats in that one? That is eight, no, sorry, seven seats. And there is an eight-seat version available. I no, am I making that up? They're all eight-seat. They're all eight-seat. You, you can remove the middle seat in the second row. Oh. Okay, okay fine. Yes, yeah. we should defer to the Oracle on yes. uh, all things carnival. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So... Um, that's good. And thank you, Tom. We'll move on. I just will quickly chip in with a car that uh, I really somehow just clicked with. I loved it. Um, it's an Audi S5 coupe. Um, so it's not your full house RS uh, version, but it is a step up in terms of performance and, and sporty personality from an A5 uh, coupe. 3-litre turbo V6, 260 kilowatts, 500 newton metres, which is plenty. And that, that's developed from just 1370, which is not far off idle, to 4,500 RPM. So it's always there. You've got an eight-speed auto to keep you in that sweet spot. 
all-wheel drive, Quattro, of course, and it's just over 100 k $106,900. Um, and in the plus column, I had that it rides really well, great dynamics, it's quick, and it, it is the power delivery is really lovely, nice and linear. The car, that, the particular car that I had is finished in district green, which is an unusual colour, and I loved it. It somehow just set the car off. And you wouldn't believe the number of people that commented on it. What an amazing colour. Isn't that great? Just people walking past um, loved the colour as much as I did. The interior is beautiful. Napa leather, the whole bit on the seats, the wheel. Um, it's loaded with equipment, uh, matrix LEDs, ambient lighting, bang and awesome sound, the whole biz. And it did have a pack on it, the carbon and black, uh, $3,500 option. You get the black exterior trim with carbon caps on the mirrors, the exterior mirrors and the spoiler and, and some little carbon inlays inside. And the only real downside is that it is very much a two plus two, like the back is, is pretty cramped. It's not a, a genuine proposition for adults, but I, I, I know I'm borderline gushing on this car, but I like the way it looks, the way it drives and the way it's finished. And when you think about its competition, it's, absolutely lined up against the BMW M440i, which is about 117k, and a Merc E300 Coupe, which is a different kind of car, but it's 117 as well. This thing has such a distinct personality, and I, I was genuinely really sad to give it back. I really enjoyed driving it for the week. I think it's uh, like the S4, S5, that level of uh, car for Audi. That's the sweet spot in the range, oh. isn't it? So nice, yeah. and a bit like the uh, AMG um, 35 models in the smaller cars mm. and the 43s in, in the larger, they have a distinct role yep. and a distinct personality of their own. It's not as if you're at a halfway house to the, to the full performance one. Yep. They're a really lovely drive in their own right, and yep. I think a really great choice. And I, around the city, you know, you're not, not necessarily making a, a line for your favourite B-road. You're just enjoying driving it around mm. the city yeah, normal speed. I I I fell in love with it. I think what strikes me about that car is the price. Like to step up to the full fat RS model, it's another yeah. like fifty thousand dollars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's I mean, the, that's the thing though with the RSs and the AMG sixty threes and forty fives or whatever. Like they are ballistic. So yeah. you know, a lot of times, like yeah, you do want something with high performance, but maybe you don't need to spend that extra fifty grand and have something that's probably, well, not probably, that's definitely too much for public roads. You know, an S five, an S four, whatever, yeah. fills the spot very nicely. It does. It's all the performance you're really going to need. I mean, we have one missing component in Australia, which is called the autobahn, where <laughs> you know those those cars. That's often their their natural habitat. You want to bomb down the left lane on the autobahn and and. Uh, yeah. That, that's not a factor here. I think the, the S5 Audi is just, yeah, you're right, Justin. It is that sweet spot. Anyway, there you go. Gush over. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll move now to a bit of feedback from last week. And last week we were talking about the WRX Subaru STI that's in prospect. Um, and Chesto had authored a story about how Subaru is, according to reports, gunning for Mercedes-AMG and um, its 45S variants um, in terms of output and uh, developing uh, a, a high horsepower STI version. Now, uh, before we do get to that, we had a couple of really nice comments. Martin Doherty uh, said, great episode, guys. Like sitting around a table with old friends. He said, I, I think I'm gonna cry. Nah, 
just a sinus blockage. So thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much, Marty. Um, BPR Ben Pinnock says, hey, how are you guys? I'm just checking in. So thanks, BPR. We're I'm fine. Um, I, think, I think we're all in pretty good shape. Thank you. But um, CIM Crew said, another classic thumbs up. Finally, the WRX matches the 1996 Evo 4 in power. <laughs> um, and look, I did a little bit of digging and uh, a GSR Evo 4, as far as I could establish, um, develops 206 kilowatts um, when it came off the showroom. We're talking about 295 here um, for the next WRX STI. So maybe there is still a disparity. Um, Grudland 74, because we'd floated the idea of a WRX XV, like taking that body shape and, and driving it up to WRX status. And he said, I agree, a real miss by Subaru. Um, a WRX XV could attract more than your average pensioners. And the same with the Forester XT or turbo model attracting more than his words, not mine, uh, hillbilly tree huggers. Um, also real sports cars, a manual, because we talked about the, uh, the CVT in WRX and the kind of diminishing ranks of manual cars um, mm. in the new car market. A CVT WRX is an abomination, but I only drive those in Sega Rally, smiley face. Which <laughs> 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 was pretty good. Um, we also somehow got on to cricket and Australian cricket legend Doug Walters, um, my personal hero, and the fact that he came from Dungog in New South Wales. And Dylan Muir said, world premiere of the STI will be at Dungog. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, so maybe, maybe. It could you heard be, it here first. And TGV, the very fast train, finished us off with, in today's driving environment, manuals are so boring, especially in stop-start traffic. He prefers a good old-fashioned torque converter automatic with a proper mm -hmm. gear lever um, sports sequential shift, and he actually calls it out. Pull for up shift, push to down shift. And I'm t I totally agree with him. Mm -hmm. um, or at the very least, paddle shifters, which I'm not a fan of. So he's he's laying it out here in terms of what he likes and what he doesn't. Um, that said, he doesn't mind a CBT. Can be fun when using the step mode or those fake gear changes, which is actually pretty responsive. As for a dual clutch, vomit. Um, <laughs> sure, on a racetrack. But again, in tortuous stop-start traffic, no thanks. And all I'd say is I've driven some pretty handy dual-clutch uh, equipped yeah. cars. And a good dual-clutch, dual let's say PDK from Porsche, um, some of the dual-clutches in uh, Ferraris and others are special. Um, yeah. that's, that's all I'd say to that. But by the same token, there are some ordinary dual-clutches in there. I think you might have it the wrong way around. I'd say the CVT, even with your stepped ratios, is the vomit-inducing option there. Uh, yeah. There are good dual clutches. AMG does really great dual clutches as well. Yep. Um, obviously, there aren't some good ones. Torque converter all the way. That is definitely, as yep. you said, the best option. But yeah. But they're all good in Sega Rally, as great as <laughs> 74 will tell you. It's no, true. They get the I also done. think I also think CVT gets a bad rap. Like that that transmission is designed for efficiency. Sure. more than anything else so yeah. if you were going to drive enthusiastically in a cvt of course it's going to feel a bit rubbish uh but you know yeah most people aren't going to be they're going to I be suppose and, and that was the conundrum that was being called out here you have a a, a performance a little performance car mm -hmm. with a cvt yeah. um is that a, yeah. is that an ideal match so i think no, it, does, it doesn't work in that situation that Rexon and the cvt that shouldn't go together mm. oil and water yes yeah um 
All right. Well, speaking of shouldn't go together, should we be doing this? Yes. It's time for Musk Watch. Okay. Now, first of all, it's another feud, punch up, arm wrestle, call it what you will, between the dear leader and Jeff Bezos. So um, he's been having a dig at Jeff Bezos over a report that Musk's attention is drifting away from Tesla. And people, um, journalists and others, are making a fairly obvious point that, that Elon seems to be spreading himself quite thin these days. When you think about Tesla, which has now grown into a, a much bigger um, operation, um, um, SpaceX, um, of course, the Starlink thing, which is connected to SpaceX. Then you've got the Boring Company, um, and what have I forgotten? Anyway, there's the, 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 the Tesla part of the business, which is about solar panels on the roof, the, the whole bit. So um, a journalist in the Washington Post had uh, published a report this week about how the demands on Musk's time, um, including his travel schedule and personal life and all of that stuff, especially his focus on SpaceX, were affecting Tesla. Um, and so on Twitter... Musk said, give my regards to your puppet master. Now, that's because Bezos owns the Washington Post. And I think Elon's view of the media more broadly is fairly negative. But uh, so they're in a punch up again. So nothing, nothing new there. But also, historically, Musk has had a problem with Bezos copying him. So he says, so the blue origin thing from, from Jeff Bezos is an equivalent to SpaceX. And I think Elon believes that he owns space and that he owns Mars. So you can't kind of cut his grass when it comes to uh, space. So that's, that's really what it's all about. Um, and then what else has he been up to? The Cybertruck on Twitter this week. The Tesla owners of Silicon Valley, which are, you know, classically aligned uh, to, to Elon. They're, they're very much fans of his product and the Tesla brand. Um, They've made the claim that Cybertruck will become the number one selling truck in America. And Elon responded to that tweet saying, final design is looking, was just in the <laughs> studio. And I thought, final design? Isn't what we saw it? That was, the, that was the point that he made. This is it. This is the truck. This is what we're going to build. So um, stand by for the final design. We'll see what that actually looks like. Uh, but I was really surprised going through the responses to that little conversation on Twitter. You expect the gushing kind of um, positive responses. I want one, my order's in, I can't wait, it's so great. But the majority were absolutely the polar opposite of those comments. And Keith Hagen says, not if it looks like that piece of shit. Um, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be the number one selling truck in America. Uh, laugh out loud, no, says barely streetable. Um, now, T.S. Veritas said, early adopters may be media darlings, but a few in numbers. More work and fewer flip-flop buyers required if you really want to beat Ford in sales. So, you know, it looks like a movie prop. This is not a compliment. Um, <laughs> really hope it does not happen. It's so ugly, though. And then Tony the Laurie Haver says, hell yeah, a truck that will be owned by people who don't ever haul anything and will hire people <laughs> to move a coffee table because they're too sore from trying to do yoga TikTok stunts with their girl for about 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Simon Amber says, looks to have the aerodynamics of a sub post office. And then, well, 
but it looks like they designed it using Microsoft Paint on Windows 98. <laughs> uh, that was Stephen Smith. Colin says 100% of this truck is stupid. And Paintworks of Aberfeldy says, if you add together all the angles on this and divide by the sum of letters in Elon Musk, the answer is 42. Spooky. <laughs> So people are, look, as far as I could see, there's a, a solid number of people out there that are not in love with the Cybertruck and it'll be very interesting to see what the final version of it the, is. The thing is, to your point, though, is the, the truck was revealed and that was meant to be the final design, so to say. And then not long after that, he real, or they realised that it was too big and so they, Elon tweeted about how it was going to be 5% smaller than what we saw or something like that. And then now he's obviously tweeted again about being in the design studio. So yeah. obviously the design's changing, right? Because well, you know, I you had promised it is what it is, but there were obviously some compliance issues, I would say. That's it. Compliance issues would be a broad umbrella over a whole number of things. Yeah. But it's, you, a, it's a pedestrian shredder, obviously. Literally. You'd um, figure they, they would work this stuff out before they rolled out the car? No, that's, no, no, that's, no. Tesla, that's Tesla, though. No, that's They know better. They know better. They'll do yep. it differently yeah. and they'll do it better. Oh, hold on. We have to backtrack and, and uh, mm -hmm. do it again. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Um, and in terms of Tesla, uh, its stock is $742. That's down 56 bucks on last week. It was $798 last week. And that's a drop for the third week running. And it hit a low of 652 on Wednesday. And Elon lost $19 billion this week <laughs> because of that stock tumble. Um, and CNN Business here says, here are four reasons Tesla stock is tumbling. Um, it's been the hottest stock in the market for more than a year, but it's sunk into bear market territory, is what they're saying. Number one's uh, Bitcoin. Um, he tweeted during the week that the price of Bitcoin and Ether, which is another crypto currently, quote, do seem high. So it went down 9.3%, which wiped an enormous amount off the value of the Bitcoin that Tesla had bought only a couple of weeks ago. Um, Model Y pricing, um, the cheapest standard range Model Y has disappeared from Tesla's sales site, uh, leaving only the more expensive long range and performance versions. And Tesla did not explain its decision. So that's an interesting one. Um, increased competition, as we know from GM, Ford and all the others, plus possibly the likes of Apple and, and other outliers. So they're all starting to get their act together. And investors got ahead of themselves. Um, you know, the fact that Tesla made um, more from the sale of regulatory credits uh, to other automakers, um, it, it outpaced, outpaced its overall net income. Um, and that is arguably proof that Tesla isn't able to make money building and selling cars uh, yeah. at this point. So people are starting to recognise mm, maybe we did get ahead of ourselves. So look, just it's been very interesting to watch that stratospheric rise and now a, a pretty distinct softening. So next week will be really telling to see if that trend continues on the on the Tesla share price. Yeah. But for now, I think we have reached the finish line. And I want to say thank you, Justin. Thank you. And thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to our fun club president. Pork rind expert and person in charge of the big door, Mr. Pritchard, for his incredible production talent and dedication. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, here I am. What are your other two wishes? Um, Do Dogecoin board shorts and Winnie Blues slides. Let us know your thoughts. You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. 
If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you are already, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, Old Mate was charged with stealing a Porsche 911. And after a long trial, the jury ultimately acquitted him. Not long afterwards, he arrived at the presiding judge's chambers and burst in. Your Honour, he said, I want you to issue a warrant for the arrest of my low-life lawyer. Why? asked the judge. You won your case? Why do you want him arrested? Well, Your Honour, old mate replied, I didn't have the money to pay his fees, so he buggered off in the car I stole. <laughs> <laughs> Got it.